Hello and welcome everyone to episode 13 of the Ministry of Dice podcast. We're a UK-based podcast that just love to talk about all things Dice Masters in the UK. I'm Chris, otherwise known online as True Mr. Six, and with me today, my partner in crime is Andy, a.k.a. Judith Grayswater. <laughs> Hello, Judith. <laughs> <laughs> hello, pleased to be here. Uh, oh, yeah, hello, Judith. Is Judith from good southern stock? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> does, does Judith ha- have a butler to take care of her brew making and cleaning? He takes care of all my needs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> Just uh, actually a little known fact for the listeners about Andy. You might not know this, but he's not actually from the United Kingdom. Andy was born in Australia and was abandoned. He's an orphan. He was abandoned as a child by his mother in the outback and was actually raised by a female dingo called Sheila. True story. True, True story. story. Yeah, he's famous over there. There was newspaper articles about it and everything, yeah. How are you, Andy? Are you okay? I'm doing very well, mate. You? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you very much, my man. Thank you for asking. We uh, It's been a good week. We've spoken quite a few times this week, in fact, haven't we? <laughs> we have. Yeah. More so, so than normal. Yeah, so we've been intensively recording. We've also been doing some work recording our next special guest, which is not this episode. We've been getting some stuff in the can so that we can stay ahead of ourselves. So we spoke uh, just last night, in fact, and played a few games, of course. What have you been of up course. to? What have you been up to in your, in your gaming life, my man? In my gaming, um, I've not really done anything outside of Dice Masters for a while now. The Dice Masters game I did get in was this weekend just gone, uh, which will be a couple of weekends by the time this is released, and that was with Andy May. It was one of my virtual games, but he put a twist on it. He messaged me after the last episode. He said, oh, I heard that you, you still need to line up the game, and I went, yeah, yeah, let's do it. He goes, well, how do you fancy uh, a little bit of a uh, theme game? And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And he said, what about a golden game? And I was like, fantastic, I'll do that. So we set up a, a themed golden game. He gave me a list, a massive list, where he just takes a card and works out a theme around it. And we ended up playing a game where, basically, in order to win, you had to first purchase a die on your opponent's turn twice before that you could officially win the game. Oh. And it was mental. It was the most fun game I've had for a long time, obviously, bar playing you, mate. Of course, um, of course. Of course, goes without saying. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth talking through the, the team. It's great fun, like thinking around a completely bizarre mechanic that you've got to bring into a game before you can win. There's only a few ways of of purchasing a dice on your opponent's turn. One of them being Steve Trevor from the new Superman Wonder Woman set. Yeah. Where when he's knocked out, you can buy Wonder Woman for two less or three less. should really know. I was only playing it a few days ago. So I brought that into... The team took a massive opportunity to take PXG. I've not played with that for a while. So PXG yeah. got dusted off and put on the table, as did Blue Eyes. Got that out of the archives, put that back on the table as well. A bit of Parallax, because he works well with them. Then it was working out how to field a Steve Trevor, keep him in the field, and then knock him out in your opponent's turn by Wonder Woman who's discounted by Steve Trevor. He's also discounted by Blue Eyes, so he's getting her for one shield and then throw her out. And I went for the, well, after speaking to you, went for the Wonder Woman from War of Light, where you, when she's knocked out, you can pay any number of shields to do direct damage per shield. Mm. Uh, so I was trying to work out a way of 
you knock out Steve Trevor, get a Wonder Woman, next turn you field it, and then you just want to try and blue eyes it off, uh, have as many shields as possible to, to rack up some damage with all those shields. Uh, and it was fun. I mean, I, I, I lost the game in the, in the end, took the middle of the three games, but he ran a, a similar to Steve Trevor, when a Wonder Woman, a Wonder Woman? Uh, or a Wonder Woman. Uh, also, the <laughs> nefarious Genesis beast, when he's knocked out, you can immediately buy a two cost or less for free and had some cracking little kind of combos and twists and turns. But yeah, it's quite quite a lengthy game. I think it took us a fair few hours. Time difference. I think he, he spent most of the afternoon ignoring his kids uh, to uh, <laughs> the game. Uh, And uh, we had a cracking time. So thank you very much, Andy. Uh, uh, you said you listened, so um, thank you very much, mate. It was a pleasure to play, and hopefully we'll get some random, more random games in in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's tremendous. I love that. I, mean, I love themey games in any case. In fact, my own Dice Masters experience over the last couple of weeks has been theme-related. I'll talk about it in a sec. But uh, yeah, what a great idea, Andy. So uh, big shout-out to your man, Mr. May, there. Great. Speaking of PXG, though. Speaking of PXG. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. We, ha- we have breaking news. In fact, so hot off the press is this news that we were on the phone to one another discussing the recording of this session when the news broke. That's that's how hot off the press this news is. Although by the time you hear this episode on Monday, it won't be. The phrase HXG to describe the new Heimdall Global from the Thor set we, we are now legends in our own lifetime, of course, mate, because it is official. It's official. Our man, Paul Kushner, has just messaged us to let us know that in a in a WizKids article that has literally just been posted on their website, references Heimdall as HXG. Boom. Mic drop. HXG, baby. <laughs> Hooray for the new HXG. That's what it says. So we are buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the small pleasures in life isn't it my man it's, it is it's the small pleasures so whoever's writing this i i like to think must be an avid fan it can only have been justin of course all right jay-z how's it going yeah don't forget mate open invite come on down time, mate. we're always looking for contenders for the new ministry of dice the bar contest uh, you're welcome to come along and chance your hands and see if you can get top of the board that's it, official. Our legacy is casting stone or casting internet. Um, so we're very pleased on that, yeah. <laughs> so thanks, yeah. Paul, for letting on us my, know. On my tombstone, it's going to have Annie made up HXG. <laughs> well, they say Andy England, a.k.a. <laughs> HXG, <Okay>. baby. <laughs> so, yeah, we're very pleased with that. And, Paul, thanks for letting us know. Literally hot off the press. We heard about it 20 minutes ago, if if, if even less than that. Yeah. So, uh, back to the normal intro stuff. So, yeah, gaming-wise, mate, I'll, I'll do my little bit. So, I've been playing a few themes in Dice Masters. We did a pretty interesting one down at my local gaming store, um, Element Games, over in Stockport. We played translucent dice only. So, you were only allowed to field teams that had dice that held up to the hold it up to the light test. <laughs> Which meant that there were some pretty interesting teams built. It's actually quite a challenge especially when you build most of your teams on your sidekick app on your phone while in in work because you obviously can't see the dice but yeah that was a lot of fun and then the week before we did single affiliation uh, a modern single affiliation where i played around with an x-men team trying out some of the x-men first class cards that 
have been recently acquired. So yeah, theme stuff. So a big supporter of what you and Andy did there. Um, I think it could be the future doing more of this type of stuff. And I'm playing single affiliation this Saturday coming, in fact. So that, that's all cool. Uh, on the non-Dice Masters front, me and the kids have recently got our hands on a copy of Hey, That's My Fish that we've been playing. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've, if you've ever given that one a go. No. What's that all about? So everyone plays a penguin. You're all on the on the tundra, the Arctic tundra, collecting fish, you know, to eat for your lunch and what have you. And it's it's a race to see who can get the most fish. And it's the the board is a tile system. The tiles have got you know fish to be eaten on it. But as you collect fish, you start to break the ice, and the ice starts to separate, and it gets harder and harder to get around the board. And it's a good one, yeah. I mean, it works. My four-year-old and my six-year-old get it, so it's the perfect game because all three of us can get involved, and it doesn't require reading lots of text or anything like that so that's that's about the only non-gaming bit i've done oh i had a game of paperback with the good lady her indoors the hashtag competitive wife which was pretty good still looking for a copy of azul if anyone if anyone uk based out there can <laughs> knows of what i can lay my hands on uh, but the word is that's getting reprinted uh, and it has been a bit of a, a sad month actually in the in the gaming world uh, i won't go on about it too much because we're a dice masters podcast but fantasy flight games have now discontinued my other favorite competitive game love which is the star wars lcg Boo. yeah so the the the, uh, the next force pack which you know will arrive when it arrives will be the last and that's it they consider it a completed game there and they'll be knocking it on the head so uh, i will be still playing it and the guys that i still play with uh, teddy <laughs> who i play with i think we we uh, will we'll continue to give the uh, there's still loads of ground that we can play around with and test out with it but yeah i was i was a little uh, it was a little stab uh, it's certainly another nail in the coffin for fantasy flight games for me as far as they're concerned uh, after the i'm still in my anger grief stage over Game of Thrones <laughs> first edition, <laughs> still still not past that, then uh, everything I've really come to realise about Destiny and, and, and what that's all about. Play to play! Um, and then, now this with Star Wars LCG. But we'll talk about LCGs a little bit more in one of our upcoming segments, shall we? Because I think there's something there's some relevant context there to get into. So yeah, that's me. That's been my last two weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah so let's have a chat about what we've got coming up in the episode then so we've gonna have a little bit of a chat about the campaign box news there's your lcg connection folks so uh, andy and i have been having a bit of conversation back and forth about what we think that means for the game i'm going to elaborate on some of the ideas that i popped in a blog post i made last week on the press release that WizKids put out we are then going to move on to uh, pick of the week section and pick of the week for this month is going to be a modern pick of the week we're going to talk about some modern picks and then a a long-awaited return of one of our very favorite fan favorite segments and i'll leave that there and you can enjoy that when that one comes along (laughs) so uh, another jam-packed episode for you folks we hope you enjoy it are we ready to move on do you think mr england let's do it let's do it okay on to the next segment Okay then, listeners, thank you. Welcome back. So we are now going to move on to talk about the campaign box press release that WizKids put out. So uh, I'm pretty confident most of our listeners will be aware of what of the press release I'm talking about. I made a blog post on the subject on the BritRoller6.com blog page there. So please feel free to go and have a look at that where I kind of did a bit of a walkthrough of what the press release included. But the long and the short of it is that the next two releases that they're putting out – 
are going to be the uh, Avengers Infinity and the Warhammer 40,000. Uh, what's it called? Camp- Battle of Sag- Sigmar? Battle of... No, that's the... What's it called? Space Marine Fighty Campaign Box. Yeah, that'll do. Sigmar's the sword and sorcery version, isn't it? Yeah, Age of Sigmar's like the Warhammer one. Yeah, that's probably where I'm getting confused. Should have it ready. Ultramar! Battle for Ultramar! That's it, Battle for Ultramar. There you go. See, I wasn't that far off. Yeah, the 40k (laughs) Battle of Ultramar. And these are going to be quite... They're going to differ somewhat. (laughs) So that's my text tone. How very unprofessional of me. I don't know if you could hear that down the line on the recording. That's my phone going off. That's my text tone. Uh, That's... uh, that's, The actual uh, song? It's the 20th Century Fox fanfare from Star Wars. Yeah, it's a very dramatic ringtone. I'll pop my phone on silent. My sincerest apologies to you, Andrew, and to the listeners, because I'll probably leave that in for a laugh. It, it's, it's our kid. It's, it's our kid. It's my kid brother, um, who is, I've mentioned before, is an enormous Warhammer 40,000 fan. How peculiar that he would text just then. <laughs> Oh, sorry, it's my text tone going off. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, stop it. There you go. Stop it. Um, coincidence. Both of them going off at the same time. I, you, you've changed it recently. Last time we saw Face to Face, you had I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. Yeah, I know. It was a bit camp for me. I had to change it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what on earth was I talking about? Campaign boxes, yeah. So it's going to be non-blind product. Uh, they are going to release a campaign box, which is then going to be supported by what looks like two team packs apiece. So two team packs with the uh, Avengers release and two team packs with the Warhammer 40k release. And it will it will all be uh, all included. So you'll know uh, everything that you're getting in those releases. As well as some gubbins about what they're doing with Max Dice or something, which made no sense to me at all. And then some stuff about US nationals, which has absolutely no impact on us over here. But but the thing is, we didn't really want to talk about the press release so much as talk about this this non-blind approach and what that might mean and where that's coming from. So there you go. That was an enormous introduction to what <laughs> to what this segment is all about. Yeah. Right. On to the next segment. <laughs> yeah. Done. So there you go. No. Seriously, though, Andy. So the campaign box thing. Where are you at? Where's your headspace with this? I love it. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to open a box to actually store stuff in. So happy days with that. Could change how we kind of collect and how we build teams. Because uh, if you think, if you compare it to the, the kind of fancy flight kind of setup that they've got with Legends of the Five Rings, Netrunner, Game of Thrones. Yeah. How, how they did Conquest and Star Wars. Yeah. Um, it's a constant drip feed of a few cards. So like in your LCG kind of packs, whatever that they bring out, usually there's three of one card. So you get about 60 cards, but there's three of each. So you're looking at around about, what, 20 cards? Is that the right maths? Yeah, give or take. So my experience yeah. in, in this space is with Star Wars LCG, my, my other gaming love and that is because of the pod system that they use in that game which some listeners may or may not be familiar with but it's it's built around an objective kind of construction you get two sets of each pod which is a little different but yeah in terms of conceptually what you're talking about you've got a fixed set of cards you get this drip feed comes at a a fairly pocket friendly wallet friendly pace as well yeah. Because um, uh, I don't know worldwide, but here in the UK, I think one of the LCG model packs come at around 15 quid, which which isn't too bad every two or three months, is it? 
No, uh, absolutely. I mean, the, the way they gear it up is so you have your deck, be it a themed Netrunner deck or a Game of Thrones house, and then you get a few extra cards each time to tinker with that deck. And I wonder if that's going to transpose onto your team. So you've got your team set up that you're playing, and then you get a, a few cards in that you might be able to slot into a space you know maybe you can have a different ramp option or hold on that maybe this can be better at defense and maybe it's going to work more that way as opposed to that's me fine um (laughs) (laughs) aren't we doing well today (laughs) but yeah i get what you're saying so the campaign box you could equate to the fantasy flight lcg starter or expansion packs which are the more kind of big box versions and then the team packs are kind of like i think well in star wars they call them force packs and yeah you're right you kind of get that drip feeder stuff coming through which may then ultimately impact on what you've built with your starter set mm. in the first instance kind of thing yeah so yeah it's, it's very wallet friendly it's certainly an even playing field in terms of competitive play because everybody has access to the same card pool you're not sitting crying to sleep every night lamenting the fact that you don't have a super rare nobby or a super rare jubilee or something you know that you can build your team round or in in the current meta a super rare yuanti pure blood you know you're on an even keel there's you've got the same chance the same opportunities in terms of team building as everybody else uh, which i think is a nice little touch there i know yeah, i also wonder where it would be similar because one thing with fancy flight is that they do reprint the kind of monthly small packs you know when they run out they will do like another reprint i wonder if that's going to be similar with dice masters because we've not had that before you know you get it it's printed it's done if you don't get it and it all sells out then you're stuffed whereas um i wonder if they will have a, a churn on it especially with with 40k because you have 40k players for example that orc pack that's coming out mm. you'll have 40k players that will play orcs and have built an orc team over the past 15 20 30 years they love orcs they only want to play orcs yeah they don't care about anything else and if you have one pack comes out for orcs and then that's it and it's not going to be redone again then they're not going to be that interested so i wonder if they're going to reprint them or bring out different versions it's interesting to see how they're going to do it definitely yeah and and it will change the kind of dynamic of how people go about collecting and as you observe possibly change the dynamic of how we go about building teams which i think may be an interesting future it certainly appears that one of the intents of whiz kids with this move towards a, a non-blind approach is to attract uh, an audience of new players in by making the cost of entry, but a point of entry to get into the game where it's not quite as overwhelmingly mm. daunting to, to start going back through cards. It's certainly going to make rotation less painful if you spend a lot building up a collection <laughs> in that respect. Uh, one thing that I've noticed online, just I've seen some of the commentary on Facebook and such like, was that uh, in terms of competitive play, some people are concerned that it's a move towards trying to make it a little bit more kind of kitchen table casual. And they're also concerned that competitively there doesn't seem to be a route into drafting with this new model, which obviously blind packs do allow you to do. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if they got rid of the draft packs altogether. They've not mentioned any blind releases, have they? No, no, they haven't. Uh, I'd have to kind of refresh my memory, but as far as upcoming releases go, everything that I was aware of was Avengers Infinity, the 40K, and then a Harley Quinn starter set. 
I think was was on the docket. Um, mm. I'm sure maybe we've been made aware of something else down the line, but this just very clearly says that these next two releases, the 40k and the Avengers Infinity, are going to be structured this way. Here's a peek at the team packs that are going to be included with them. And there's no indication, it's all speculation, but there's no indication that they've ruled out uh, gravity feed buying bags, that they've ruled out the draft pack model that they've been playing around with through the back end of 2017. Or, you know, the front end of 2018, if you're still waiting mm. for your Thor stock, of course. <laughs> Uh, just in case you're listening there Justin and so uh, yeah I I don't think they've ruled it out I I think it would be very strange for them to turn their back on a section of gameplay uh, that actually is quite attractive to to new players also isn't it because it brings that same concept is uh, drafting is an even play play state for everyone to get involved in Uh, well certainly in terms of the card pool you're accessing so uh, yeah there's nothing that there's ruled it out or indicated that's it we're done with with blind product or that's it we're done with draft pack product they haven't stated that. It's all speculation as to what that means. I know that our friends over at the Gaming with Sidekicks have been toying around with a cube, which uh, that's just gobbledygook to me. I've never played cu- cubes or don't know anything about it. I think it's a Magic the Gathering thing. So uh, that that might be a route that they go in the future. Who knows? You know, that's one thing, sadly, that I think we can all agree on is that WizKids, in terms of marketing comm strategy sometimes with all the best intentions in the world bless them the execution doesn't quite nail it does it thankfully we're we're largely a quite a forgiving crowd <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to that you know so uh, i don't think draft will disappear I, I think there's also some people i saw on facebook like the thrill of the chase and were perhaps a little bit concerned that they were going to lose that element that they actually like the collectible element of the game Yeah, I I, I get that. I mean, buying 10 packs and opening them up, seeing what you got. Have you got a super rare? uh, Have you got a rare, you know, cosmic cube? Or I remember getting the rare wasp from Age of Ultron uh, out of like about five packs that I bought. And it was buzzing feeling to think that, you know, well, yeah, I've got this card. It's really cool. I'm dropping a fiver in in the local shop. Uh, But it's a level playing field, isn't it? Everyone can have the same card. And and I don't get the whole kind of it's going to ruin the competitive edge of the game because surely it's it's not it's going to actually make it more competitive because everyone's going to have access to the same cards it's not the 50 quid special that you have to buy on on ebay everyone's got access to it so surely that makes it more competitive well yes and no i I must admit i kind of understand the argument there a little bit so to i believe the view is, and I have seen evidence of this happening, is that in a non-blind model of this nature, once someone sort of happens upon or creates that kind of top-tier meta team that is dominating, because everybody's got their hands on the same card pool and the card selection, it's very easy for that kind of net-decking approach to start overtaking mm. the game. I know, again, I can only speak from my experience with Star Wars LCG because it's the only one I really played at length. Uh, I played a bit of Game of Thrones 1st Edition, but then they discontinued it shortly after I got into it. Not that I'm bitter or anything. But uh, (laughs) what happened was there was a particular deck type. There was a pod that had the Tarkin character in it. They released an expansion set that's kind of like the equivalent of a campaign box uh, called Imp- uh, what was it called Imperial Entanglements which was very focused on on the, the the Empire forces and it just created a kind of imbalance and then you couldn't turn up to any event really a store event or a regional event without knowing that basically you were going to be facing that deck 
six, seven, eight, nine, ten times over. You know, every every player's dark side deck was one of those. So I do sort of get where people are coming from, and there's a fine balance between, and uh, you know, putting enough variety in that that doesn't happen, but then not then kind of betraying you, what you're trying to do with the model by flooding the card pool, you know, with a crazy amount of cards. Yeah, that's bobbins, mate. Okay. <laughs> have, have we forgotten the 18th month wading through quicksand that was the Bard era, which you've just described to a T? I didn't say months. I didn't say I agreed. I just said I understand. I'm just saying, 18 months of playing the same team, we had that, and we had blind bags. Yeah, yeah, it's a true story. But that yeah. was a starter set card, so everybody could get their hands on one. Same with Guy Gardner. See your point. <laughs> and, and Oracle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not saying I necessarily disagree anyway. Uh, agree, sorry. Anyway, I think, I mean, the cost of entry, as far as I'm concerned, from my perspective, when when you compare it to other collectible games, is relatively low cost in the mm. grand scheme of things. I don't think it's that difficult to get hold of rare or super rare cards that if you, you know if your heart was really set on getting your hands on a Yuanti, really set on getting your hands on a jubilee really set on getting your hands on a i don't know a dark side to build a team around then you know it's possible to do yeah it we'll, we'll see how it pans out i mean in the competitive space in a modern constructed uh, again the, there's been no talk we don't know where we could stand on this it's something that we possibly could do we know a little bit more information on but in a modern constructed if it just gets integrated into the rotation cycle well these will just be it'll just be another batch of cards that can be played with everything that exists already anyway yeah that's true yeah so yeah i understand it uh, do i agree with it not necessarily but i think that's where those who are less keen or as i said before they just love the thrill of the chase they like the collectible element they love the buzz of opening packs and you know launch day releases you know and one of the criticisms i made of the game of the past is that they spoil too much and so when i come to break open my blind bags i already know what i'm getting <laughs> you know oh there's that dark side i wanted oh there's that batman i wanted you know kind of thing but ultimately ultimately despite all of that which we talked about in terms of is it better for our wallets is it better for competitive play not better than competitive play blah 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 blah. if it attracts a flood of new players to the game then it's a good thing it's a win definitely yeah so i think uh, ultimately if that's the prize that whiz kids are going for well i am certainly one who would support it and i think it may be certainly the warmer 40,000 ip as well in the mix on that will will give me a great entry point to attract some new guys from from my local gaming scene yeah definitely and that's what it's all about if we get new people in then it gets more popular which means we get more stuff which means it'll be available more places and we play more we'll have more wkos we'll have more events if it attracts new people then we're laughing yeah absolutely so let's see how it pans out i think there's a lot of speculation as to what it actually means but until there's more info and more details the facts are what we know is that there's a campaign box and two team packs for those two releases due uh, for me actually really i'm sat here now more waiting to understand more what the what the card techs are going to be like, if they're going to be introducing new keywords and getting a sense of how well these cards will integrate with existing card sets outside of the campaign boxes and team packs as they work together, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So time will tell on that one. There you go, folks. So on the pros list, we've got attractive to new players. It's much better on the wallet. Everyone's on an even footing when it comes to uh, competitive play and access to card pool. Con side, is it as exciting as, as ripping open your grab feed and seeing what you've got? Is it going to impact the competitive scene by driving it towards a more casual approach or making uh, top tier meta decks and net decking of those too common? But ultimately, overall, what we at the Ministry of Dice are most excited about is the possibility that it's going to expand the Dice Masters audience. There we go. Thank you, Andy. No props. On to the next segment. Welcome back, listeners, and we now have for you the return of the Pick of the Week segment. Cue squeaky jingle now. Pick of the Week. Yes, folks, that's right. We know how much you love hearing me and Andy talk about our Picks of the Week. And for this episode's Pick of the Week segment, because we've done a bit of retro Pick of the Week stuff and some spoiler Pick of the Week stuff, we thought we'd take a look at meta cards that are being played in modern quite a bit and make some choices from there. And Andy, you messaged me the other day and sent me the challenge of what kind of Pick of the Week card themes we were going to go for. Yeah, we wanted to have a look at a certain theme for the cards and what they did or what they added to your team. So we went for Ramp and a bit of Jank. Ramp and Jank. (laughs) I don't know why I said it like that, but I believe it added to the listener experience. That's right, Ramp and Jank. So this week's Pick of the Week is a bit of a cheat because we've actually got two picks each. We've done one pick that is a, a modern Ramp card and we've done one pick that is a modern Jank card. So without further ado, let's get sharing our thoughts. Andy, what was your Ramp pick, please, my man? My Ramp pick is one of my favouritest cards that have come out recently uh, and it is Mimic Borrowed Talent. The common from the X-Men set that's been come out. Uh, do you want me to do the rundown? Yeah, do the rundown, man. I'll do the rundown. It is so Mimic Borrow Talent. It's a three cost mask with the is it X Force? Is X Force affiliation? X Factor. X Factor affiliation. Yeah, one of the other X teams. Exiles. Is it Exiles? Exiles. Yeah, definitely Exiles, I'm sure of it. Cool. With the Exiles affiliation, he reads, when fielded, copy the printed attack and defense of target character die. When a copy of that character die is fielded, draw two dice from your bag and prep. And he has got the stats of 0, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 2. Mm, yeah, so I know this card is popular with you because you've essentially been playing it in every game we've played since <laughs> they come out. <laughs> okay. So give us a bit of a rundown as to why this is your modern pick of the week for ramp. For me, I have to say that this is a bit controversial, but I think that he may possibly be better than PXG. Um, oh, I know, right? Wow. Um, Words I thought I'd never a, hear you say. That's a big statement to say. Yeah. <laughs> there are plus points and minus points to this card. As opposed to like PXG, the thing about PXG was that it's so simple to use. You just roll a, a mask and, and you get the two dice over. This has got a little bit more work to it, and you do need a few kind of supporting cards to get him working and get him firing on all cylinders but if you get him working and firing on all cylinders i mean i've had all my sidekicks plus a total of four extra energy from Bagburn and a couple of energy from characters so i was on eight nine ten eight, nine, eight, about 16 energy <laughs> rolled in one turn yes, um, you did. i was there you can buy whatever you want so the i think the trick to using him 
is you get him out, you get him out nice and quick. You have a couple of cards that you use with him, which is the new rare Professor X Global. Yes. So, uh, Professor X is still in there. And that's to guarantee a sidekicks in the field, isn't it, for you? That's right. So, yeah, the, the Global where you pay a mask and you can field a sidekick once on a turn, but it doesn't specifically have to be on your turn. And the Clayface Global, which is you can turn a sidekick into a mask on your turn. So you get a sidekick out before Field Mimic using Professor X if you need to. You Field Mimic and name your sidekick. From then on, each turn, you can Professor X a sidekick from used. So you get two dice from your bag. Uh, after you've done that, you Clayface it back to a mask. And then an opponent's turn, you use it again to get another sidekick in from used uh, turning another couple of dice out of your bag if you do it you need to time it right you can do it when a lot of your dice are in the transition zone so whatever you're buying in a turn you are then rinsing straight through your bag and out the other end into prep and you're using whatever you've bought the last turn getting out on the field the next turn as well as having all the energy you could ever want it's a fantastic card so yeah the, the down points are that you, you don't just have one card for your ramp engine uh, and I'm, I'm very much for uh, the different kind of engines of and combos which work consistently to get where you want to uh, to be and although you need the three cards for it to work well together that engine is massively consistent as long as you've got uh, a mask which you can pretty much guarantee with clayface you can get the sidekick you get the ramp if uh, these odds are favored well for getting it to work i'd have pretty good success with it yeah, I mean, so I mentioned before, you played him, using him as ramping a fair number of games with me. In all fairness, I know you, you said you've had the PXG Global there to, to speed it up and make it more guaranteed, but we have tried it without the new PXG Global, and the rolling sidekicks is not that enormous of a challenge, is it? <laughs> if, if you no. Need, uh, if you need to get one in the field. Well, one other thing I'll point out, as an opponent of Andy's who's played against Mimic, one downfall I've observed is that because Mimic is copying a sidekick, stat-wise, he's very easy to ping off and remove through various strategies. So you can cut off your opponent's ramp quite quickly. But but that said, yeah, I've seen I've seen you roll extraordinary amount of dice. That you're right. I don't think I've seen people rolling even back in the PXG days. I might have seen it when I was playing around with Dark Side, but that's yeah, that's about it. So yeah, I can't dispute that, man. I think that is a worthy pick of the week there, definitely. Yeah, and also if if he does get pinged off, if you've managed to ramp up successfully with him already, and you've got say a big character that purchase because of the extra dice uh you can then refield him copy that big character and now we have two big statted characters in the field to swing in yeah so he does um and let's say hypothetically well there was a, a gorilla grod in there too it can be yeah. yeah it can be fun to be looking down the barrel of that <laughs> not that i'm speaking <laughs> from experience of course <laughs> no <laughs> yeah absolutely so uh great yeah mimic great pick of the week a tremendous choice my mum would you like to hear mine i'd love to if there's any listeners who are also regular readers of the blog it, it, this probably won't come as a surprise to them but i have chosen the super rare multiple man card pile on from the deadpool set i'll do the rundown so he's a two cost mask he's x-men affiliation He's max six dice, and his game text just simply says, Swarm! (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. So, yeah, there's a couple of reasons why I like this guy, but again, like Mimic, there are are some cons uh, to 
to balance up those pros. So the thing is, for me, I have always been a fan of, well, Swarm for a couple of reasons. I, I like ramp options that I have and that I don't give to my opponent. So while there are some great basic action ramp options, or there's some great globals that can provide ramp to your team, uh, your opponent has access to them, and that just irks me. Whereas Swarm Ramp, uh, I suppose much like Mimic is, that's just mine. It's all mine. That's that's my ramp. You can't take advantage of that in any way. So Swarm has always appealed to me, and I've used Swarm as a ramp option for since day dot really since the kobold came along in the first D D set so uh, and then multiple man he has the max die six which just makes him a really heavy hitter when it comes to swarming because you can just fill that bag up with loads of swarm dice and actually I, I know his fielding cost can be a bit of a sting just on the con side but i also like the fact that he's got some pretty beefy stats at the top end of his die so he could be advantageous as a, a blocker or as a, a, a semi-chunky character to get out to enhance additional strategies that you may have so for example i've been playing around lately with some x-men first class cards i quite like the blackbird um is it the uncommon or the common the one where you have to pay one your opponent has to pay one to block x-men cards um so it's you swarm up with your multiple man you get yourself a big nice fat character but then you start feeling fielding them multiple men get them fielded on the four four if possible and then add them to the 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 horde that you're firing down the field or i used to use him with colossus the colossus that pinged your opponent for level two or above characters so i like the fact that he's quite a beefy character sometimes and he, he is a nice swarm dice if you get him on level three he just sits there and it's he's hard to ping off but the fielding cost is a sting he does have an impact on your dice count for your team so putting six dice on one card can then make it challenging for your dice distribution across other cards in the team uh, but he's cheap two cost he's mask it's always handy having lots of masks around there's some great globals that you can use masks with, or it really enhances some of the purchases that you might want to try and make. And that max die six just means that swarm can be super efficient. Yeah, I like him. Do you know, I took him to Worlds. Uh, did you go to Worlds? I did. Did you not know? Have I not mentioned that? You'll have to tell me about that sometime. I will do. yeah so there we go so yeah both of them i think they've got the pros and cons but they're certainly great cards in modern for people to be considering for their ramp and there are ramp pick of the weeks for you all so should we move on to talking about jank i suppose we should define jank in case there's someone listening who doesn't really know what we mean by that yeah yeah you do Uh, you 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 have a go because I'm not entirely sure what it means either. It's kind of hard to explain. I think if you look for a dictionary definition, it, the dictionary definition doesn't really mean how... Well, certainly over here, how gamers that I play with seem to use it. So in the context that we're using it, Janky is, is about cards with game mechanics that do a kind of a cheeky, quirky, funny thing. I don't... <laughs> I don't does that explain it i don't know if that does explain it because there's kind of something more to it than that so it's cards that aren't necessarily a win condition in their own right or they aren't aren't a bit of ramp in their own right or they aren't a bit of defense in their own right but they're just they're funky they're jankies <laughs> it's just <laughs> after after setting myself the challenge of explaining it, i mean our understanding is the same there i believe isn't it andy yeah yeah something a bit different it's got something a little bit more to it yeah, yeah. Yeah, and but yeah. there's there's also that kind of element of cheekiness, that element of oh, I don't know how to describe it. So hopefully that makes it somewhat clearer for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll kick us off this time, 
And the janky card that I've chosen is from the Guardians of the Galaxy set, and it's the Collector, the Rare Collector, and the subtitle on that is Tanlevir Tivan, and he's a five-cost mask. He's a villain affiliation, and I'll do the game text rundown. It's while the Collector is active, once per turn, you may pay the purchase cost of target unpurchased character die minus two, with, in brackets there, it says to a minimum of one. If you do, field that character die at level one. Return that die to its owner's cards at the end of the turn or when it leaves the field zone. And his stats are 015, 117 and 128. So this card has got an awful lot going for it as far as I'm concerned. And I've been playing around with it a lot lately. You can, while he's not a win condition in his own right, you can definitely build teams around him and put a couple of win conditions in. I've been using him with when fielded win conditions. Uh, I like the idea of just being able to buy a dice boom like that with a minus two discount to take advantage of a when fielded game text it also is usable in your opponent's turn so in in effect in the manner in which i've been playing with it it allows me to double up the when fielded effects because i get to fire it off in my turn and i get to fire it off in my opponent's turn He's got a massive back end on him, 5, 7, and 8 defense, so you're not shifting that bad boy anytime soon, which is nice. He can just camp out and do his job. 5 is he's, he's a little bit expensive, I suppose, but ought to be with that type of game text, but I don't find 5 too much of a stretch to get to. He's villain affiliation, which just ties in nicely with a lot of other kind of strategies and methods that you can use right now. Specifically, for example, one of the Wenfielded cards I've been using to take advantage of his game text is Nobby. So he just adds to the to the knobby win condition, and he's yeah. I, I think I've run out of steam there. Oh, and I, and the discount, the <laughs> discount is lovely, isn't it? To not only can you grab that card and field it on demand, but you get you get it for two cheaper. It just blows my mind. That is like the definition of a janky card. He certainly is a janker. Yeah. 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 And I suppose if all else fails and you can't work out how to win on your side, you can steal your opponent's dice and and win with those instead. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll just to give you a little story. I used him in a WKO recently. Please don't let the performance on the day reflect the quality of the card. It was the it was the, the player, <laughs> not not the team. <laughs> but I was playing Joe. I don't, Joe, hi, if you're listening. Um, and Joe was using Morph as his win condition. The Morph that copies the double burst on on a basic action card. So he had Morph, and it was doubled up with. Oh gosh. That, you know, that basic action. Betrayal. Thank you. It was betrayal. Was it betrayal? Yeah. And so uh, my nobby had been shrieked, I think, or blobbed, or something that stopped me nobby from doing what it did. So my plan B, I just started fielding his morph from his side <laughs> and using his betrayal and essentially used his own win con against him. And of our three games that we played on the day... The, the time I used that strategy and pilfered his win condition, I won that particular game in the in the round. So uh, yeah, that can be a lot of fun, and it can, and it's definitely got that's that cheeky element of the jank, isn't it? Like just reaching over the table and saying, "I'm going to buy one of your things there and use it." I think didn't I buy playing you? Didn't I buy one of your elf thieves once? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You, so you 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 start you'd use one of your masks. To... <laughs> buy my elf thief to field my elf thief to steal my mask that i was going to use to pxg and put a sidekick in the field and then you used my mask to put a sidekick in your field <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 that uh, that made me happy <laughs> that, that made, made me, me happy, happy. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's. I mean, that's just a that's a great example of a really kind of janky move, isn't it? And that's the collector's just access to loads of those janky moves. So I think he's going to be a big player in the the future of WKOs and the the nationals that are taking place. I'd be very surprised if there's not teams that are playing around with that that are yeah. going to do something interesting. Makes you think. Makes you think. What dice you want on your cards? How many dice you want to take? Do you want to take two of your big win when it could get nicked off of you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, there are people who I've seen chatting in the chat rooms and on social media who talk about cards like Shriek, for example, and say, uh, do you know what? <laughs> Might just put one dice on my Shriek. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. And it makes perfect sense when when there's when it's, we're going to be lousy with collectors everywhere. Yeah. So there you go. There's my janky pick of the week. Care to share yours, Mr. England? Yep, my janker is Spider-Man War of the Heart. Um, This card, I've spoken about it before. I experienced it first playing against Dan Lloyd, first WKO down in Southampton over the autumn. Yeah, that's the autumn. First experience, how good Mimic was as well. Yeah, Uh, the autumn WKOs, not the full WKOs. Mm. I I didn't fall over, didn't hurt myself. (laughs) <laughs> so, Spider-Man, War of the Heart, I have spoken to about, about it before. He is a four-cost fist. It seems that if you have a janky card, you've got to have at least five lines of text in the in the text box, and this isn't any, uh, <laughs> any different. So, while Spider-Man is attacking, your opponent must declare at least one blocker for each of your attacking sidekick character dice before assigning blockers to non-sidekick character dice. When Spider-Man attacks, prevent all damage dealt to your sidekick character dice until the end of the turn, uh, and he is zero three three one four four one five five. And he's got Spider Friends affiliation as well, and the art is pretty cool. Which Spider Friends affiliation that proves to be very useful in my experience. Does it? Mm. I've not I've not seen it myself. With <laughs> 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 maybe the Fantastic Four affiliation. Um. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's awesome. Works really well with my ramp option that I spoke about earlier, the combo where you've got the Professor X uh, spitting sidekicks into the field zone because you're going to be getting two a turn if you're not clay facing. So you're very, very quickly going to be getting a wall of sidekicks up. I've I've tried him with a number of different kind of tactics to work with him. So he works best attacking. Anything in their field is going to have to uh, block your sidekicks. So as long as you've got enough sidekicks there to match what they've got in their field, uh, then you can push whatever else is in your field through, and unless they've got some kind of dirty blink action, you're going to get them through for for a big wadge of damage. So I was looking at different characters to play with him, and I tried Wong for quite a few games. He tremendous card in its own right. Yeah, he's very good. He's an ally, so he can still be blocked. Um, but if you couple him up again with something like Grodd, who's giving him overcrush, then he can still do some damage. Elf Thief works really well because it's cheap. It's nasty. Chris hates it, so it's quite satisfying to use. Yeah, um, is that, is that he, still in my top five hated cards, or did I knock it out? I think I knocked it out to put Shriek in. Yeah, I think I might have put it back in there, though. Because uh, um, <laughs> uh, he's one, two, three. He's fast be cycling round, so he's doing chips away at damage. Grodd works well with him because you're going to be getting him through, or everything else is going to get a buff, or your sidekicks aren't going to get knocked out anyway. They're going to be doing two. So hopefully they can chip away with extra, but it's it's a nice kind of janky kind of win conny extra element that you've got to kind of factor into. It's a bit different, and there's lots of different ways of using him. 
uh, it's quite removably, so you're kind of removing what's in their field with your side kicks to kind of swing through with what you've got uh, left. I, I've not tried it, but that um, uh, is it the uncommon dum dum dog duggan with the plus one for each side kick in your field. That's um, right. Yeah. So I played a t- against a team constructed that way recently, and that was. Um... You know, pretty bum twitchy for me yeah, a few times. <laughs> yeah, I think the key thing there is that anything that takes advantage of a resource that you start the game with, which is your sidekick dice, is always going to be something interesting to play around with. And the, that Spider-Man card specifically just kind of makes them really competitive, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It allows things to go through. When I used him with, what was it, the uh, Cloud Kill. So I was cloud killing, knocking out a load of, of little stuff, and then whatever was getting um, was coming to block was blocking the sidekicks. But they had to spend, you had to spend energy to uh, either allow allow them to block. So what you'd save for blink, you either either had to use to blink back characters uh, or to allow your blockers to block. So it kind of halved what your, your capability was to stop going through so uh, yeah um that, that was a good little combo fully fully meeting the definition of cheeky annoying that forms part of the janky <laughs> <laughs> meets the janky criteria yeah yeah absolutely i think another great pick andy there's not much in the way of downsides other than i suppose it just takes a lot of setup to make good use of him doesn't it yeah it, it's a few turns to get to that way you, you've got to build up your sidekick wall you've got to uh, to kind of spin him around he's not one that's going to win on his own with his attack of three four and five because when he's attacking that's when he all his kind of abilities takes place and once he's attacked and he's gone through you've got to wait for him to cycle round so you could either buy two uh, or you could blink him back in which case you need the other characters to kind of swing in to do the damage yeah. um, so he's not in himself the kind of win and certainly if you use him with uh, kind of mimic clayface and Professor X to get the ramp up and get the ability to hit through with your other cards, uh, you are using half of your team yeah. to be able to get into that position. So uh, it really minimises the choice, especially when Shriek's a must-have, uh, Cold Guns a must-have. Uh, then you've got two cards left in a competitive team to really kind of hammer it home. So, yeah, it, it restricts your options, but uh, it, it is fun and it gets you where you need to be if you've got the other pieces in place. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And I've, again, I've been on the receiving end of you playing it and I've met others experimenting with it currently. Uh, I had my a virtual league game with our friend TJ Boz uh, and he's been playing around with it and done some interesting things. He went second in a WKO, I think using it. Um, so uh, he, he had it teamed up with Red Hood, I think. Let me know, Teej, if, if my yeah. memory's failing me there. Uh, the team list will be on the blog, actually. I could have checked before I opened my mouth. But I think it was Red Hood, maybe, that he was using with it. To... That was his big hitter that was then subsequently getting through as all the sidekicks were occupying everybody else. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of fun things you can do with it, definitely. I, I think another great pick of the week, Andy. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, Brill. Well, so that brings us to the end of our modern meta pick of the week. We've done a ramp card and a janky card. I think we'll probably come back to the modern meta in our pick picks of the week, unless there's you know a mind-blowing spoiler that arrives <laughs> in the meantime. Uh, but we'll probably return and maybe talk about some modern meta win cons and defensive cards, perhaps. So watch this space for more. In the meantime, uh, we hope you enjoy the next segment. 
And that brings us to the close of yet another episode of the Ministry of Dice podcast. Thank you so very much, guys, for taking the time to come and listen to Andy and I ramble on probably a little bit more than usual this week. I've been Chris, a.k.a. True Mr. Six, and with me today I've had Andy, a.k.a. Hodor. <laughs> hold the door, hold the door. Uh, <laughs> what a legend. What a legend. I've met him, you know. Have what really? Yeah, yeah. What the actor? Indeed. <laughs> Not the character, because he's no character. Yes, no. yes. I've met the actor. My my, I have connections through my employer, which clearly for obvious reasons I can't mention who. But um, yeah, I have connections through my employer that facilitated a, a brief meeting with him, a handshake and a hello. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he's he's involved in the prickroller six dot com blog as well. Yeah, so he delivers the post round Brit Roller Six Towers. Yeah, <laughs> he pushes the little trolley around. For yeah, order. yeah. Order. I've already I've, I've already had a word with him actually. He said we can use his image for the not historical figures dice masters post boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've boxed, I've boxed that off. I've already started working on it for you, mate. Yeah. Um, Legend. Yeah, yeah. We're, do, we're doing intro type material in the outro. So thanks for yeah. listening, folks. We'll catch you in two weeks' time. <laughs> Bye. So I think, yeah, they, that seems to be the indication to, to me anyway. What does need to go on Slack? Slack? Um, HXG is official. What does that mean? Oh, because um, Dice Masters fans. WizKids. Oh, have WizKids <laughs> used HXG? <laughs> Come on, load! If they've deemed it HXG, this is stupidly more right. Doppelganger, no. Mr. Fixit, Mary Jane, Heimdall, here we go. <laughs> uh, I can't find it, is it Heimdall? Yeah, so it says, uh, way back in the Marvel Dice Masters, the Uncanny X-Men, there was a great tool known as the Professor X Global, or PXG. Now, in the Mighty Thor, we see this global ability again slightly modified on Heimdall the All-Seeing. For the cost of one mask, we can get two sidekick dice to roll next turn. This will give us more chances to roll sidekicks for Jubilee and Crystal, or get enough energy to purchase Doppelganger or Mr. Fix-It. It also lets us churn through our bag faster for fielding Mary Jane. Hooray for the new HXG! <laughs> <laughs>